Hello and welcome to the Talking and Stuff podcast. And we, I'm not going to mess around this week. I think we definitely have to fly right into the UFC 262. I am a week behind on this. But this is kind of the game plan of what we're going to do with these kind of UFC MMA-centric podcast episodes. Because obviously I want to mix it up a bit. I don't want to just be full UFC and I don't want to just be full week's news. And I think... I don't know if I'll call this a separate show, but it's going to be probably an end-of-the-month type idea... You know, once the big pay-per-view event comes around, the numbered events, like a UFC 262, we'll talk about the UFC, we'll talk about MMA, we'll talk about Bellator, Invicta, and whatever else we have to talk about in the uh, MMA-centric world. And I think that's the way to go about it. And, you know, we can fit a fight night in there as well, and we can talk about all of that. In fact, there was a fight night last night. Uh, Cody Garbrandt and Rob Font, two bantamweights, two high contenders, not in a druggy way. I mean, the high up in the contendership, I believe Cody Garbrandt is fourth and Rob Farn is third. Uh, they fought last night. I haven't watched the fight, but I know what happens. Apparently, Rob Font dominated, and that was the word used on the title that I saw, dominated Cody Garbrandt. And I guess I can't really talk about that fight until I see it. But if Rob Font won, then that's big news for this bantamweight division, a division that's kind of lost. It's a division that is missing a legitimate champion, and that's no offence to Aljamain Sterling, it's just the way he won it is a bit shady, and I believe we've talked about that fight on this podcast before, and if not, and if you're a new viewer, I'll go over it again. It was a UFC event, Bantamweight Championship on the line, Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yarn, Yarn is coming in defending the championship, going up against Aljamain Sterling, Aljamain Sterling, rightly, a top contender going into this fight had actually had a lot of hype around him and many saw him as the guy that really deserves the title fight but was getting passed over for maybe more star names. Uh, a guy that was really a, a hard worker in the division. Um, but all of that shifted in that fight. All of that ideas of Aljamain Sterling uh, deserving and being hard-working uh, fighter and really working hard for the opportunity at the Bantamweight Championship all changed during this fight, because P.C. Yarn was winning this fight pretty, pretty well. I mean, you know, if it went to the decision, for the rounds we saw, it was going Peter Yarn's way, you know. Um, and it comes down to a, to a moment that will live on in infamy. Alderman Sterling's on the ground, hands on the ground, and the rules are... Sometimes they're different in the unified rules, but most of the time it's two hands on the floor. You do not knee. You do not kick. You do not do anything to a ground opponent except for shots and punches. And this happened. He's on the floor, two hands down, obvious two hands down. So obvious, in fact, that there's about a five-second, ten-second moments. Uh, this is of him on the ground. And Pete Yarn just knees him. Just, just knees him. And Aljamain goes back. He looks hurt. The fight gets called off. Aljamain Sterling is a new Bantamweight champion by disqualification. This caused an uproar for many reasons. Uh, firstly, Aljamain Sterling um, was being called an actor. People were saying he's going to win the Oscar for his great acting skills after the knee. Um, and to be fair, it was a heavy knee, or at least it looked like that. Um, and then there's more shenanigans afterwards 
with Peter saying the rules were not clear to him, um, he acted in a, in a disorderly manner, which he did, and he, he made that apparent. But this is, is the moment that kind of shifted things towards now, shifted Algernon Sterling's uh, look for an outsider. Um, it's when he goes to say, I'm not going to celebrate this win. This win is not an official championship win in my mind. I did not win this championship. I'm not going to make this, you know, I may be champion by name. I may have the belt, but I do not feel like a champion. Uh, a couple of hours later on social media, he's dancing around with the Bantamweight Championship belt. You know, so that really shifted people's perspectives on Aljamain Sterling, who is a great fighter. But, you know, he wasn't winning that PCR fight in those rounds that we saw. And then he goes on to be celebrating a title victory like he just, you know... <laughs> Beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam 1993. That's a reference some of you will understand. It was much like the uh, Lex Luger celebration. And if you're not a wrestling fan, what happened there is Lex Luger won by countout. And you don't win the WWE Championship or the WWF Championship at the time by countout. It doesn't happen. You must pin or submit your opponent. And he starts celebrating. Uh, all these um, balloons fireworks, you know, streamers all flying down from the rafters. He was acting like he had just solved and, you know, won a war. And <laughs> he did not win the belt. It was a count out and, you know, WWF, WWE, professional wrestling in general, is scripted. So the moment for that to happen then seemed very ridiculous. But this was a real-life Lex Luger moment. This was Aljamain Sterling's real-life Lex Luger moment celebrating the victory by disqualification, which, fair enough, Pichiyan is fully in the wrong for kneeing Alderman Sterling. Fully. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was Pichiyan's fault. Alderman Sterling is champion. Um, but it's left this division, it's left the bantamweight division in a very tumultuous time. It has a champion that many people see as illegitimate. It has a number one contender that broke the rules and need a downed opponent. It has its second ranked opponent, Corey Sandhagen, probably being the most legitimate fighter currently, besides from Rob Font, and we'll get to him in a minute, uh, to go against Alderman Sterling, because you can't really make a PCR rematch right now. It's, it, it wouldn't make sense to reward PCR, who broke the rules, reward him with a championship shot and even if you did it has already been said that Aljamain Sterling from his own mouth that he'll be out for 10 months he'll be out for 10 months apparently that's his that's his diagnosis of this dangerous knee um and then you've got TJ Dillashaw returning to face Corey Sandhagen TJ Dillashaw who has you know was really banished from the UFC in many ways, uh, due to the PED failures two years ago. Left in the darkness. Was banned from fighting for two years. Or at least had a two-year suspension. Uh, got stripped of his bantamweight championship. You know, all these things. And then you give it to Henry Cejudo. And Henry Cejudo, a very legitimate champion after TJ Dillashaw, looked great. Beat Marlon Moraes. Beat Dominic Cruz. Really great champion, but he retires. He retires, and now we don't have a champion anymore. You give it to Peter Young. Peter Young looks like he's going to have a reign of a lifetime. 
P.E.R. looks like he's going to have a reign of a lifetime and he does the Alderman Sterling thing. You know, it's a very tumultuous time for that division. It's a very interesting time. But Rob Font, who has, you know, I haven't seen the fight, as I said, but who has dominated Corey, uh, Corey, who has dominated Co, uh, God's sake, who has dominated Cody Garvan, not Corey or Kobe, Cody Garvan. He's beaten no love. And Corey, uh, God damn it, I did it again. I apologise, Cody Garvan. Cody Garvan, in the first place, wasn't a very top contender in many people's eyes. You know, former Bantamweight champion beats Dominic Cruz when he came into the fight 10-0, was 11-0, after beating Dominic Cruz with a great performance, an amazing performance. Goes on and loses to TJ Dillashaw. Goes on to lose to TJ Dillashaw again. Great fights. Great fights. But he loses twice. Then he loses again in a, in a fight he should have won in many people's eyes. He gets over-emotional. He gets very over-emotional. He throws the game plan out the window and just wants to stand and bang. He just wants to go in and go at it for round after round. You know, try and get that first round finish. And it's led to him on a three-fight losing streak. Then he got a victory earlier this year over Hafael, or last year, sorry, over Hafael Asonso. And then he was meant to fight for the belt. Um, I don't think, it wasn't the bantamweight belt, I don't think. It was, it was featherweight. I think so. I might be wrong. I want to get corrected on that, but I really do think that for some reason, Cody was meant to fight for the featherweight championship. That doesn't make sense. But that was meant to happen last year. He got COVID. He was out. The fight got rebooked. I think the lingering effects of COVID were still around. Scrapped it. He comes back to Bantamweight. And he gets beaten by Rob Font. Now, Rob Font is the most legitimate, legitimate, you know, ranked contender, besides from Corey Sandhagen. But Corey Sandhagen's already busy with TJ Dillashaw. Peter Yarn can't have that rematch. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Peter Yarn to have the rematch. You shouldn't reward a fighter that cheats it. Aljamain Sterling says he's out for 10 months. What is happening with this division? It's in a very, I wouldn't say dark period, but it's an interesting one. Full of Ill- illegitimacy and uh, the best fighters are going to have to wait. Rob Font is going to have to wait. And of course, Sandhagen gets beaten by TJ Dillashaw. That's even more of an interesting period because the guy that was caught with PEDs comes back. Beats number two. Does he shoot to number two? He's not even ranked. Does he go for the title in the next shot? It doesn't make sense. It's a very dark period for this division. And uh, we'll have to see how they, they get out of it. But uh, a division that's not in a dark period is the lightweight division. The lightweight division of the UFC for many years now, I'd, I'd say for about since Connor came up to it, for four five years, four or five years, this division has been on fire has been on fire. As soon as Conor McGregor came up and beat Eddie Alvarez, become double champion at UFC 205, it has been on fire. And it's been very much like the bantamweight division at many, on many occasions. Conor didn't fight and defend that lightweight championship ever. He got stripped of it in, I believe, November of 2017, a whole year of inactivity. Tony Ferguson became an interim champion. Tony Ferguson was meant to face Khabib Nurmagomedov, and we know how that went on many occasions. Cancellations after cancellations after cancellations. 
the only time that belt really got stability, it was still in a great division full of great fighters. Khabib, Tony Ferguson, Connor when he decided to return. Justin Gaethje gets added to that mix in July 2017. Dustin Poirier is coming up. It's a great division. And our current champion now is Charles Oliveira, who for that period of the Conor McGregor not defending, a bit of an underdog. I don't even think he was in the division. I don't know. I think he might have been in the featherweight division. But the thing is, you know, it was a great division during that dark period. A great division. Khabib brought stability to it. Khabib, on a very tumultuous UFC 223 card, of constant who will face Khabib. Obviously, Tony Ferguson tripped over a wire. That fight got cancelled. Max Holloway came in, but had weight-cutting problems. Paul Felder was stopped by the commission for fighting Khabib. Anthony Pettis was meant to fight Khabib, but there was money issues as well. All of this in a weekend. All of this in a weekend. The only person that could have faced Khabib was Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa was a legitimate replacement for Tony Ferguson. Michael Chiesa gets injured when... Conor McGregor throws a dolly at the bus, breaks it open. Conor, uh, Michael Chiesa gets cut in his forehead. Ally Quenta comes in. Khabib dominates him. Khabib dominates McGregor. Khabib dominates Dustin. Khabib dominates Justin. Khabib retires. But he retires, leaving the championship not in a dark period at all. Because you had Tony Ferguson, you had Justin Gates, you had Dustin Poirier, you had Conor McGregor's back at this point. And you have now Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira fought at UFC 262 only last week. Very interesting fight. And Tony Ferguson fought... Uh, I, I, Benel Dariush, I think is how you pronounce it. He fought Benel Dariush. Um, let's talk about that Benel Dariush, because this is all the lightweight problem here. This is the, not the problem. This is the lightweight talk. This division gets talked about a lot, but we might as well talk about it because it's an interesting division just like the Bantamweight division. Um, let's talk about it. So, Tony Ferguson, many people are saying he's done. Benil Dariush, let's talk about the fight. Benil Dariush dominated him with wrestling for three rounds straight. Three rounds straight. Tony Ferguson looked great at the press conference. Seemed like old to- Tony. Seemed like old El Kikui. But he kind of came in um, mentally great at the pod, uh, at the uh, not the podcast, of course, at the press conference. The great Dana White privilege line, you know, he seemed like old Tony Ferguson, and then he goes in and he gets dominated by wrestling, and he got dominated by wrestling in Charles Oliveira's fight. The previous problem with Tony Ferguson, and we saw it in the Justin Gaethje fight, is he just left his chin out there. He took a lot of damage, but the new problem is he's not wrestling. The new problem is his wrestling abilities is seemingly fading from a guy that is previously a great wrestler. It's starting to fade. I don't know if that's a accumulation from damage or he's just forgotten his old skills. I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of the Justin Gaethje fight or age has just caught up to him. It's many different factors. When Tony was on the feet, he looked good. When Tony was on the feet, he looked fine. But when he got to the ground, it just kind of flailed and was dominated. And Benil Dariush is not an easy fighter. We've seen that. He's a top-tier competitor in this division. Now he definitely is. He's third-ranked. The guy that many might have saw, if you're not a hardcore fan, many might have saw 
Tony Ferguson was easily going to win this. Tony Ferguson was easily going to win the Charles Oliveira fight, and we saw how that went. You know, this is either a matter of age catching up, accumulation of damage, or we're just underestimating these fighters. We're just not putting enough stock into people like Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush. And we now see, from what happened in the Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira fight, that we should have been putting stock into Charles Oliveira. We should have been bigging up Charles Oliveira because Charles Oliveira took damage from Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler came in, looked great. Looked great against Charles Oliveira in that first round. Charles looked good as well. That first round was good for Charles when he was on his doing the wrestling. But Michael Chandler looked great in the wrestling state as well. And many were saying, don't give your back to Charles Oliveira. Michael Chandler gave his back and he survived. He survived pretty comfortably because as soon as he got off his back, he was beating up on Charles Oliveira enough to where some people could argue the referee should have stopped it there. I don't think so at all. I think maybe a few more strikes and it would have been stopped. But Charles Oliveira took the damage. And Charles Oliveira is the type of fighter that in the past when he was taking damage, he kind of just stopped and gave up. But now he took the damage and he came back. He survived. And he came into that second round and unexpectedly, in 15 seconds, knocked out Michael Chandler. Wow. A guy in Charles Oliveira that doesn't really get knockouts all the time, but is now starting to get that knockout power. It's now starting to find the striking skill along with the ground skill. It's going to be a dangerous fighter. Nothing will compete with Khabib Magomedov. That's the problem for this lightweight division. Everyone now that will be champion or at least compete for a championship, they're going to be seen as, well, how would they do against Khabib? There's already talks of, well, imagine Charles Oliveira and Khabib. There's already talks of that. There's already talks of Charles Oliveira would get dominated against Khabib if they fought. It's kind of like the George St. Pierre edition of the lightweight, lightweight division. Because George St. Pierre left welterweight on top as champion, went away for years. Every champion compared. No, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't beat George. They wouldn't beat George if they went in there. No, I wouldn't do good against George. Khabib, a lightweight, was getting compared to George Oliver. Uh, George, oh, George Oliver, George Saint Pierre. They were getting compared against George Saint Pierre. You know, so and that and they're not even in the same division. George Saint Pierre has never been a lightweight. He could possibly make the weight, and you know, it, Khabib could definitely go up to a welterweight. Never been in that division, but that's a dream fight people want to see. Because when these people leave as champion, and George did it twice. George left as champion twice. He did it as welterweight, and he did it as a middleweight champion as well when he beat Michael Bisping and relinquished the belt after 34 days. When you leave on top as champion, you leave the division in an interesting state where everyone's going to be compared. All the time. Look at Israel Adesanya before he became champion. He was compared to Anderson Silva. He's gotten out of that shadow now, especially after he beat Anderson. But it wasn't peak Anderson. Some are saying, well, what if peak Anderson Silva faced Israel Adesanya? Who would win? I think people really miss the glory days. Uh, or what they at least see as glory days. And it's we're still in the glory days of MMA. We're still in a very young period for the sport. And we're seeing these great champions. And the sport is at a very high, I guess, exposure um, we're getting high exposure from the Conor McGregor era. And the Conor McGregor era is still being felt because Conor McGregor is now losing a bit of his luster. 
and he's giving it to Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier's a star now. Dustin Poirier is a star now. And I, the thing is, I keep hearing debates. Oh, Dustin should have take, taken, the, uh, taken the championship fight. You know, that's what you fight for. You fight for championships. It's not about money. You fight for championships. Conor McGregor is his own belt. He has said it in the past, and it is true. Conor McGregor is his own championship. Dustin knows he can beat Conor now. Conor doesn't know if he can beat Dustin anymore. He's beaten him in the past in their first fight. Times have changed. Years have separated. Dustin Poy does not need Conor McGregor. He needs Conor McGregor money. He does not need Conor McGregor. He does not need the star potential of Conor McGregor because he's already taken that from him. He took that from him in January. He took them up. You know, it's like in professional wrestling when these big stars, they uh, they get over, as the wrestling term is, get over the younger talent. You do the job for the younger talent. Undertaker did, did a lot of that. Put a lot of young talent over. It's the same in MMA in many occasions. The young eat the old. And I'm not saying Conor's old, but Conor seems to lack that hunger but maybe we'll see it now. We saw after the, after the Khabib fight, after that loss, he came in hungry against Donald Cerrone. We've seen what's happened to Donald Cerrone lately. Six-fight losing streak, I believe. His next fight will be his last, and Dana has said that. And he's going to give him one more chance to have a final farewell, hopefully in front of fans. You know, so was that Conor McGregor coming in as a beast? Or was it just Donald Cerrone on his way out? You could say, you could say, but Connor looked great in that fight. He looked fast. He looked strong. Beat him forty seconds. No one's beat Cowboy in forty seconds since uh, maybe um, his most recent fight. That was uh, a very short fight, from what I heard. I didn't watch it. I don't like watching Donald's fight anymore because I, I find it sad. I don't like to see Donald lose because he's such a great fighter, and to see him go down like that is um, it's not good to see. But, you know, Conor McGregor could still have that hunger. Conor McGregor st- could have that hunger because he's lost now. He's embarrassed. It was Conor McGregor's worst performance. Khabib, we know, can wrestle someone and dominate someone. To lose against Khabib is not embarrassing. I mean, he lost pretty one-handedly, yes, but so has everyone else. Give me someone that has actually given a real fight to Khabib. Give me someone that could give a real fight to Khabib. It isn't Tony Ferguson. That fight's... That lust is gone. If Khabib decided to return tomorrow, no one will be talking about a Tony fight anymore because we've seen how Tony deals with wrestling. Against Charles Oliveira, against Benil Dariush, dominating. So, who can really beat Khabib? Do you really think it's George St. Pierre? I don't know. I don't think so. And that's the thing. Conor shouldn't really feel too embarrassed after that loss. Um, So he came back and he looked great. Because he wanted to prove that he still has it. He wanted to prove that I'm not going to start going on a big skid. Um, but he lost against Dustin Poirier, a guy he's already beaten. Lost, one-handedly. He was embarrassed because he didn't check leg kicks. He was embarrassed because he just didn't look as fast, as kind of there, technically, as he usually is. And Dustin, you know, dusted him off and beat him up. And that was, or gave him a good dusting if I do use a pun or two, you know? So, it's a very interesting time for the division. Connor's facing number one, 
Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier does not need Conor McGregor. We've said that. He needs Conor McGregor money. If he beats Conor McGregor again, Dustin Poirier is the biggest star in that division, and I really mean that, besides Khabib. Khabib's not even in the division anymore. Justin Gaethje's a pretty big star, but Justin Gaethje hasn't beaten Conor McGregor on such a big scale. Dustin Poirier is going to be the biggest star. Dustin Poirier is already the number one in the division. Dustin Poirier, if you ask me whether win, lose, or draw, will probably get the next title shot if it's not Justin Gaethje, but Justin Gaethje is coming off a loss. Justin Gaethje seems to be waiting for a championship opportunity, but he's coming off a loss. Um, and if you ask me, the, the fight to make is Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje. Both coming off losses. Both kind of showed some heart in their fights that they lost. And it would just be a great fight. It would just be a great fight. Simply a great fight. And with two really high-ranked opponents as well. You know. Uh, some are saying uh, another fight to make is Tony Ferguson and Donna Cerrone. Tony needs a win. And Donald lead, needs that last loss. Uh, that's a lot of things I keep seeing on social media. Tony needs a win. Ferguson, uh, sorry, Cerrone needs a last loss. With Tony Ferguson, I don't think he's done. I think he just needs to... His head movement and his footwork was great. And that's stuff he struggled with in the past. Against Benio Darius, he looked good on the feet. His wrestling now needs to work. And I know he trained with some boxers um, to work on that kind of head movement because he lost... That, and he was getting lots of damage. We saw that in the Justin Gaethje fight. He was taking lots of damage. He worked on his head movement. Now he needs to work on the wrestling. And if he can put two and two together, will we see peak Tony Ferguson again? I don't know. I, I think... Um, I don't know who said this. I was listening to a podcast. I think it might be Chael Sonnen. It might be Chael Sonnen who said, you never hear of someone losing, going on an absolute skid and coming back to be one of the top in the world again. It doesn't happen. They can lose and win some fights afterwards, but they never get to the top again. That might be Tony Ferguson's situation. He might never get to the top again. That is a daunting, daunting uh, thing for Tony's face. And when you get to that point, do you just retire? Do you just give up? Do you just say, I'm not going to even try anymore? I'll never reach that point. I'll never be champion. You know, and I really feel sorry for Tony because Tony deserved to be champion. He was interim champion, but, you know, he suffered because the Khabib fight never happened when Khabib was champion. The Ferguson, uh, the Connor fight never happened when Connor was going off and boxing Floyd Mayweather. Tony Ferguson was hard done by. Very hard done by, and now he's on a skid. If he beat Justin Gaethje, we would have got the Khabib fight. I think we probably he would have probably lost, but we never knew. We never knew. We don't know. You never know in MMA. He probably would have lost. We've seen it in his recent performances with the wrestling that it's really struggling. And we know that Khabib is a very, very good wrestler, and that goes without saying. I'm you know, preaching to the choir when saying that. And Tony Ferguson wouldn't have lasted if that's the Tony Ferguson that came into the Khabib fight for the lightweight championship of the world. But it's a very interesting period. Justin Gaethje is kind of lost in all of this. Justin Gaethje is very much lost because he seems to be waiting for a championship bout now. He seems to want a championship bout now. But the fight for me is, Tony, uh, is Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. That makes sense. Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje makes sense. And Tony Ferguson, I don't know, maybe you do make that cowboy fight. What do you do with Tony Ferguson after that? Because that cowboy fight to me and to many fans of the uh, in the community seems like a gimme fight. Seems like a gimme fight.
So I don't know. Bantamweights and lightweights in a very interesting position. And we'll have to see how they move going forward. Some great top contenders, but very interesting, tumultuous time for both divisions. One in a very bad way, and one in a very, very interesting, fun way, top division way for the lightweight division. The lightweight division is the top division in the world. Unarguable. Unarguable. Look at the talent. Look at the champs. Compared to other divisions. John Jones will... Dana White has said John Jones has moved, he's moved on from John Jones at heavyweight. No more John Jones at heavyweight in his mind. If John Jones is not willing to negotiate. That's not even John Jones fighting for the championship. That's John Jones done at heavyweight in Dana White's mind. Because he can't be bothered to work with him anymore. To negotiate with Jones anymore. Jones is asking for 10 million. Some say he deserves it, some say he doesn't. We heard my thoughts on it last week. You know? And then you look at the heavyweight division. Francis Nagano going to face Derek Lewis. That's a very interesting fight. And if they go at it, like, they can go at it. Like, they definitely can go at it. Their first fight was an absolute stinker. Their first fight was embarrassing. But their second fight, both men have said, we will go at it. Both men knew that they were playing it safe in the first fight. It isn't like they're going, well, we tried our best, guys. They're not lying to themselves. They knew that first fight was terrible. And they're saying for the second fight, they're going to go at it. And that is seemingly the fight to make. And seemingly the winner of that will face Stipe. Stipe, a man who, you know, hasn't faced a new opponent in years. Stipe, who's only been a championship fight, when fair enough. So that heavyweight division seems a bit dry. You know, Volkanovski, I guess you could... Uh, I don't think that's how you say it. The, the Russian, the very tall Russian. It's Alexander, I think. I think that's his first name. But I'm also thinking I might be talking about the featherweight champion as well by accident. But the very tall man that beat uh, poor Alistair Overeem in his final fight is also a top contender. And John Jones would have been the top contender if he was willing to fight. And what happens with John Jones now? Where does John Jones go? Where does John Jones go in all of this? Because John Jones will not fight in another promotion. No other promotion has enough. Well, maybe Bellator will pay him $10 million, But does John Jones really want to sacrifice his legitimacy, and I'm not insulting Bellator, Bellator has great fighters, Chris Cyborg, you know, some great heavyweights, you know, it's a great company, it's a great organisation, but it is a second kind of runner-up organisation, John Jones seems better than a running-up organisation, John Jones, I say I will not insult his talent, I insult the man, I will not insult the talent, John Jones is too talented for Bellator. That's what I'm saying. If John Jones wants to fight at heavyweight in Bellator, it just seems like he's losing his own stock. It seems like it brings his stock down. It gives stock to Bellator. Bellator are winning if John Jones was going to go there, and I don't think he will ever. But if he's not going to go there, where does he go? Because Dana White seemingly is moving on. And it's a matter of will John Jones swallow his pride and just say, screw the 10 million I'll fight anyway? Or does he, does he just retire? He's done it all anyway. He's done it all anyway. There's nothing else for John Jones to do. He's seen as a GOAT. If you look at the pound for pound rankings on the UFC website, he is number one. The GOAT. Currently. He's seen by many as the, the overall GOAT ever. Not my, it's not definitely not my GOAT. It's not my greatest of all time. 
Um, and we'll save who that is for probably another podcast, and I've probably mentioned it before anyway. But, you know, he's not my favourite of all time, but if he retires now, he retires on a very good, a very good greatest of all time level. It's an interesting time. It's an interesting time for this division. But the lightweights are better than any other division going. The featherweights are currently struggling with Alexander uh, Volkanovsky, who many people saw had lost the first Max, uh, the second Max Holloway fight. Max Holloway can't get a rematch because he's already lost to the champion twice. Um, who else gets to number one contendership? I don't know. What other divisions? Welterweight Kamar Usman is a very legitimate champion. And he's starting to gain a lot of popularity, well, popularity I'm saying. But, you know, he's, as he is saying, he has kind of run across the division. Um, light heavyweight is somewhat bare bones. And I'd, you know, it's very interesting for light heavyweights because they've recently got a bit of a fresh new champion. But Pahovic seems to have too much Polish power for any anyone in that division, in my opinion. I think he'll beat Glover Teixeira. Um, so I don't know. Middleweights, that's interesting to me. The Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori fight is interesting to me because Israel is coming off a loss um, to John Blahovic. And listen, Blahovic was the bigger man, stronger man. Uh, obviously, he had more wrestling skill. Vittori... We've seen in their first fight, him and Israel, he tried to use the wrestling, and Israel took wrestling and actually won the fight in the end. Um, so that's an interesting fight to me, but that's only because Israel's coming off a loss. He's taken his first loss, and we see that in the UFC, people that take their first loss seemingly, or in MMA in general, people under their first losses seem to break mentally. Israel's taking losses before in kickboxing. It's not like it's his first loss ever. He's taking it in kickboxing, he's lost it on many occasions. So, hopefully, he doesn't get that broken mentality. That's, hopefully. The women's divisions are interesting. Um, especially, fuck Rose. Uh, I forget what. The thing with the women's divisions, they all seem the same division. And I'm not trying to be rude. But fuck Rose, whatever division she's currently running. As you can see, I'm not the most experienced MMA fan ever. Because I kind of bloody think of fuck Rose's division. What, Rosanna Menounos, that division, that interests me. Every other division, who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat Valentina Shevchenko? You know? Who? Who's going to beat her? I'm telling you. No one. No one. Amanda Nunes, who's going to beat Amanda Nunes? No one. That They're interesting because the champions are so good, but they're not interesting from a contender point of view. George Beth weight we've talked about... Lightweight, we've talked about lightweight is the best division currently in the world. That's undoubtable. I don't even want to hear a debate about it. You know it. I know it. Dana White knows it. The fighters know it. Everyone knows it. So, you know, no debate. It's cemented in history. At least current history that the lightweight division is currently the best division going. And it's still on a very strong five-year run. Uh, run. Thank you for listening to the... I don't know what I'll call this, because this will ha- probably happen at the end of every month. And I know Joe Rogan has the MMA show. And um, I know MMA Junkie and all of this have their own thing. And Jazz Sonnen has a podcast. Michael uh, Bisping has a podcast. So 
this might be just another talking and stuff podcast, but I feel like it should be in its own genre. I feel like it should be called the MMA Hour or something. That's probably already a thing, MMA Hour. I think that's bloody Ariel Harani is the thing. So, I don't know. Maybe 30 minute MMA, even though it's 36 minutes long, this podcast. We'll see how this is named. It'll probably just be called another, um, another talking and stuff podcast. But just warning you that these types of MMA chats will probably happen at the end of every month, after, oh, at least after a numbered event, and we'll include some fight nights in all of this. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you have an incredible weekend, and shalom.